1: this is the Anfield Rap and it's the Anfield wrap live streamed for the first time we only put it on the Facebook subscribers group about an hour ago and the reason why is we're trialing the Anfield Rap live stream because on Thursday on Transfer Deadline Day in association with Reds Bet who also sponsor this show John Gibbons me and you we are going to do from 12 o'clock till five o'clock at minimum uh, Transfer Deadline Day live show live stream talking to all sorts of supporters we are the alternative Transfer Deadline Day and I for one I'm excited
2: yeah I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little bit cut to the five hours now. I told you we were going to do a 10-11 hour stint, but obviously they've closed it a bit early this year, and yeah, so, so they've done us a little bit. But who knows? We might just carry on if we're enjoying ourselves, mate. I mean, if we're having a great time, why I mean, stop? If, if, anything, if the live shows, we've done over the last few weeks so anything to go by.
1: Yeah, we just can't see people's hands in the air, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, on this one. But no, we will be doing deadlines. So what we're going to be doing is we'll have some stuff that's set up and pre-recorded uh, where we've spoken to other people. But if something breaks, we're going to try and get people on the phone. We're going to try and speak to all of our supporters. And what we're actually seeing it as is an opportunity to do something that surrounds itself with, I'd say, sort of sensible fan voices, people who, you know, Know, who understand the slight ridiculousness of the entire enterprise on the one hand, but who love the club on the other and want to talk about it? You know all of our contributors. You know who they are, and we've been working with them for many a year now. And me and John are going to have a meeting tomorrow and work out which ones of them we're speaking to.
2: Um... <laughs> now we'll be good. And I think I think the worst thing about these sometimes is that like are trying to force. Action in, aren't they? And they saying oh something's definitely going to happen. And and you know, it, there'll be none of that with us if nothing's happening. We'll just, just speak to the fans about you know the transfer window in, in total and what they've thought of it and, and where do think they stand and, and where do think they might be short and, and look forward to the season and things like that. So you know, if there's nothing going on, we'll we'll be we'll, we'll find things to talk about, but it won't be. We're not going to be, you know making up rumours of people at airports
1: absolutely not Uh, we're not going to be following anyone across the skies either although you never know Uh, it might get interesting so all of that is to come Uh, we're really looking forward to it it's on Thursday we'll start to put it through all of our channels where you can listen to it Um, it is from 12 noon on Thursday through until 5pm we may well do something have something running from about half 11 so that we can build the audience because that's a thing Uh, so there might be some sort of special unique content that we've recorded between 11.30 and 12 on there as well I'm literally making this up as I go along it's all in association with Redspet and with Redspet this season they're offering a fantasy league through the season. They're going to offer individual ones as they go, but there's one through the season with a one hundred thousand pound price pool, and you can enter for free now. Redsbet.com. Obviously, as we always say, be gamble aware. Uh, but there's a fantasy prize pool, one free entry worth twenty two pounds and a hundred thousand pounds can be won out of that I'd price pool. A cool, a hundred grand. I would say that the, the prize pool is made up of a cool one hundred k, one hundred big ones. I've got not only John Gibbons, but I've got Ian Ryan and Ian Salmon here with me today, uh, which is really pleasing because we're going to have a big chat about Liverpool five, Napoli nil. We've also got Josh Sexton, who went to the big Red Neighbours event in Anfield on Saturday, and he spoke to David Fairclough. We're going to be dropping that in. We're going to have a chat about the manager with James Pearce. Really good interview. The first part of it's out. The second part may well be out by the time you hear this. It isn't out yet for us. Uh, And the transfers. We're going to be talking about the transfers and stupidly looking forward to the whole thing. All of that to come across the next 50 minutes or so. But we are going to start Liverpool 5, Napoli 0, Ian Ryan. And let's caveat it. Napoli a week behind the Reds. They have lost a manager recently, but they've got a very good one in, and they were a very good side last season. You can do all the caveats you like. They're only one week behind Liverpool, and the previous week Liverpool were were performing well and getting results against Man City and Man United.
3: I think that's all totally fair. I mean, you you would never expect to see an Ancelotti team, an Italian team, beating five 0 at any stage, really, pre season or otherwise. So, so I think that's that's important, and I think that it just emphasises just how good this Liverpool team are looking going into the season and I think what you've what you've got now is you've got a group of players who understand exactly what the manager wants and that's important and I think there's a lot of talk about bringing in more players and I, I could probably easily get on board with that but I also think from the manager's point of view the reason he doesn't look to bring too many in is because it's so important that the players he does bring in they get what it means to play for this football team and I don't think playing for this football side is like playing for another team in the division it's it's totally different pep guardiola maybe the, the similarities there you could have a conversation around possession as well but it feels unique playing for this team and and as you said there neil i mean napoli didn't know what hit them you know a week behind or not they really struggled they couldn't get up the pitch and it was a it was an issue for them even moving up 5 10 20 yards because this liverpool team just pressed them to within an inch of their lives and i think one thing that struck me and it, it was something that was said in the pub, I was watching it in the pub and, and this lad was kind of watching the game with his dad and he said, um, have Liverpool got more players than Napoli? And I <laughs> was like, no they've got the same amount of players. And it was a comment that was made in total innocence but you could absolutely see where he was coming from because at times Liverpool just crawled all over them and it looked like they had more men. And I think you attack Liverpool at your peril this season I think because we've got so much pace, so much power on the break that we are, we are going to frighten teams to death. And I think there'll be a conversation around, well, the bottom four team may not attack this Liverpool team at times. Certainly around field, because then they're going to look at it and think, if That's do, the big challenge, isn't we're it going it? to get picked off. It's a huge challenge. But I think one the managers, he's only too aware of, you know, he's going into his his third full season here. It was fourth season. He understands the league now. Um So he'll know what those challenges are, you know. Previously, you've had West Brom, you swapped that for a card, for instance. So, there's going to be sides you don't want to attack and don't want to play. But I think there's enough in that Liverpool team now, and you've added as well. You've added someone like Keita. So, I think what what was apparent to me is, is that whilst there's, there's loads of pace, there's loads of power in there, that, that's all very, very good, but you've got movement that is just absolutely frightening teams to death. And you can have pace, you can have power. But you've got to have that movement as well and you've got to have lads with the ability to pick players out we've got that you saw it several times against Napoli lads who can spray balls 30, 40, 50, 60 yards and find their target yeah. and you go from there and now you've also got Keita who's making these runs from midfield and there's a real appreciation of space within this Liverpool team as well lads are moving with purpose they know that they're leaving space for someone to make a run into and I just think it's so difficult to defend against
1: John we were we, we had a lovely view in the ground uh, Fair play um, One of the things that struck me I was sitting next to Dan Morgan For the first half We were separate And there was this point Where Napoli played really well To get out Liverpool swarmed all over them As Ian was just describing mm-hmm. And Napoli played really well To get out and all they did was get to the halfway line with all of our lads back behind the ball. And I literally went out, oh, they've done well there. And you're like, yeah, they've, do- they've just had to play that well to get 20 yards up the pitch. And I was, and when you stop to think about that, I was thinking, wow. And it also involves six or seven players just to get them 20, 30 yards up the pitch with a little bit of space to play.
2: Yeah, they seem to be really in tune with what they should be doing on and off the ball. And that goes back to Ian's point where you're talking about... You know, would you throw another one in now when when they've obviously done some so much work and you know, I think you would for the right person, but you wouldn't necessarily just for the sake of it. And you think of Oxley Chamberlain last season and how long it took him to sort of look like a Liverpool player really, and it was because he came come in late. These lads, they seem to understand each other really well. They seem to understand exactly what the manager wants. Sturridge said after the game, didn't he? One of his takes from it was he was pleased that you know about everyone executing the what the manager wanted. And this is just pre-season, you know. This is pre-season where we've made a lot of changes. You've seen a lot of a lot of different people, some of whom you wouldn't necessarily expect to see at least for a while, for, for Liverpool. And 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 they've all they all got it, they all know what they, what they should be doing. And some of it was great to watch. And, and Napoli are a decent team, as, as as Ian said. And I think sometimes you, you look at the Italian League in, in pre-season, you you know, I remember a, uh, this is going back years, but, but a 5 0 win against Palmer at home with, 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 I think it was an early sort of Gary McAllister game and, and getting really excited. And then, and then we didn't actually start the season that well then. So I'm always kind of tempted with that in the back of my head. But I think, look, look this team are looking fantastic at the moment. And I think there's, there's a lot more they could do. I thought. It was, you know, there was a few times where it didn't quite click, and there's a few few attacking occasions where, you know, the the last ball maybe wasn't quite there or something. So I think there's even more to come from this side, as I guess what I'm saying. But you, I know, Neil, on and off the ball, they just seem so kind of in tune, and I think Milner's made the comments as well. As anyway, you expect what Liverpool are doing now, you'd expect to see two, three months into a season, but but we're showing it already, and and yeah, it's great to see. The manager's spoken a lot, Ian Salmon, about keeping the group together,
1: and one of the things that we get there is this from three they're all together again for the first time and they're still playing in that diagonal line you've got Mane deepest, you've got Firmino through the middle and then you've got Salah, the point of the attack but playing right up on the right hand side and almost playing like a centre half at times on the left back being really, really difficult to play against we talk a lot about his pace but there's a physicality about him as well he's looking for a scrap there Liverpool go long to him on a fair few occasions and he either thinks, well I'll I'll be a big nuisance at the very least or my touch will be spot on and we'll be away
4: his movement again. His, his movement's is absolutely phenomenal. The movement for the goal. I mean, before the finish for the goal is obviously incredible, but his movement for it is fantastic. The fact that he's receiving balls, he's in a position to receive balls from Allison. The fact that Allison can hit him from that distance yep. is going to be a massive tool. It's like the Reina to Tires assists. We're going to see Allison getting assist this season because of Salah's movement. But. They've come back, the three of them. They look hungry for this. They look like they haven't missed a day's training. They look like they've they've gone straight from where they started last season, where they finished last season as a base, and they've built on the base. I'm personally, I'm not having any of these caveats at all. I'm not having the Napoli are a week behind us. I'm not having the you don't beat Italian sides five I nil. Tottenham got pu- thumped
2: actually the day after. So yeah. by uh, I don't know another Italian team.
4: You don't beat Porto five 0 you don't put five goals past Roma in 20 minutes. You don't do these things. So this is just another one that you're not supposed to do that we've done. I think we're in a position now where we've got an absolutely phenomenal squad who are performing on and off the pitch because the feel from this team at the moment is like nothing I've ever felt in my entire life. The, the way this team is connecting to the fan base, something has switched. I know we've talked about this a lot in other shows, but something has switched over the summer where they know, I know you referenced now on the um, the pink, about the fact this means more mean something to them, they've actually taken a slogan and they've meant something. And this team has then taken that and gone, okay, we can work with this and whether it is, you know, the appointments in the back back room for the people who are actually liaising with the fans, obviously Tony predominantly. But there is a connection between clubs and fans that started somewhere in January and moved upwards through the final has gone to another level now. So we've got a fantastic squad and we've got the the fan base that believes in them. But primarily those three If we've got those three on the pitch any given time, they're going to be threats. But all of a sudden, it looks like we're not desperately relying on the three of them staying fit the entire season like we were last year. Because Sturridge, I know I'm doing the falling in love with Sturridge thing again, as we do every summer, but Sturridge currently looks like a man who is playing at the fittest he's been for a long time. Looks like he's changed his game to adapt to both his body and the manager's needs. The fact that he can ping what was it, 70 yard balls, Moreno? Nail. That's it was an unbelievable pass. pass. That's, that's a, a Gerrard-esque pass, which we've we know the storage has got the vision, and he's got the feet to do it, but we've not seen him do that. To see him do that, that gives us another option in the front three. The fact that we've got Brewster coming through is another option, so Lanky may push on this season. We've got the front, we've got the best front three in the world by quite some distance for my money. And we can only add to that, and the fact that we are, you know, we are once again dropping money back, so he's playing basically as a number ten coming from the wing, with undoubtedly most of the season rubber overlapping him. With the options we have got on that pitch, building from those front three with everybody else got around them, is absolutely incredible.
1: The, to go back to the main fella, not least because he does spend half an hour in the crowd post matches, Ian says, as part of all of this, Ian Ryan. His enjoyment, I think, his relish since he's come back this pre-season has been massive. It was quite clear he wasn't happy for a variety of different reasons away with Egypt. It is also fair to say that I think for the last month of the, of, of, of last season, you could see he was on a physical wane. It's not unreasonable given the, 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 the time he put in. But what I see there is... I can't imagine how you play against him if you're the full-back and even if you're the centre back coming over because he can come, come in, he wants to come inside you. He'll just go through you now because he, he looks so strong. He'll beat you that way. He's happy now to go outside of you as well. He's happy to tuck back in. He's happy to look back. He's happy to go forward. He's happy just to find his little position for a shot and that's right the way up. The, it's effectively the entirety of the half. He's just a footballer who's got so many options and you know it's 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 a fabulous way to be able to play the game because it means that there's 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 not a strategy you could put in place to deal. With them, that doesn't involve two, maybe even three men.
3: I think that's absolutely fair, and I think when you talk about Salah, I mean, you always hoped you were going to be getting something that was that was pretty special. But I think we've we've ended up with with a world class footballer, uh, and that's great to see. it I think you're right about his, his finishing. And what, what what struck me last year is all the different types of goals he can score, and it, it always it always sticks out what the manager said about that goal against Leicester, where he he kind of. He's got Harry Maguire all over him. He's crawling all over. He backs into him, Kenny esque, and then he turns him. So he uses power. You didn't think he's got that power. He's five foot seven, but he's able to hold off a, a guy who's six foot four, and then he slots. And even the manager comes out after that game and says, I've never seen that goal before. We, we've absolutely analysed this guy. We know what he can do off the ball, on the ball, the type of finishes he's got in his locker, and there are plenty of them. But we didn't know he had that. And he has got that. But there's so many other things as well. So how do you defend against a guy who can pretty much score every type of goal? And by the way, he's not bad in the air, so he, he can score headers as well. Watch for Disney, it, John. It, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I heard that comment the other day, it made me laugh. But, uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of it comes back to the movement because he's capable of just drifting across the front three. So it's two goes with him. Well, he's your, he's your man, lad. Well, actually, no, I've got these two over here because I'm overloaded now. So, it just comes back to it's just so hard to defend against Liverpool, and he's not afraid just to to go drifting and to well, I'm not getting much success here, so I'll go I'll go and spend five minutes over there, and that creates a huge problem. So, for me, there's just so much positivity at the minute, and I think you know, you want to be keeping those lads fit and firing and fresh, and I think your point there, Neil, was you know towards the end of last season. You know, there was an argument to say, you know, Salah dropped off a little bit. It'd been a long, hard season. And and I suppose it brings you back to that comment, could we do with one more? Absolutely yes, in my opinion. You know, John's point before, you can get the right player in because, you know, the point is, you've got to be a certain type of footballer to play for Jurgen Klopp. But if you could, then it just ease my concerns a little bit about... Taking a gamble on keeping that front three fit. And I know Shakiri's coming and he's looking really, really good and he can play in different positions. And it, you know, Clock wants footballers who are fluid and flexible and he can operate all over the pitch. I totally get that. But I just, you could not have to do with one more in there, in my opinion.
4: I I agree that you could do with one more as well. You know, I'm still hoping the Fakir thing happens before Thursday. But with Sally, you've got to recall also the fact that he's on the pitch that entirety of the time, that last month where he's waning, it's because he's chasing the Golden boot. Because he wants to play every second. I mean, any other season, he probably would have rests for half a game or possibly an entire game. But he is chasing the Golden Boots specifically for that target. So I think we see him waning at that point because of that. But I think that's the only reason I think otherwise... The whole season he would have stayed at exactly the same level he'd been all the way through.
1: John, there's, there's, there's a Steve Graves line which is that he'd like Liverpool to buy all the players because he thinks they'll all be better if they play for Liverpool. Um, and I think that there's there's an element of truth in that. There's also the fact that some players, when they get the red shirt, some of them do fold under the weight of it. But others, you get the impression that playing for Liverpool... If the moment's right, if it all clicks, it it, it kicks them on and it can keep kicking them on. And that's what really excites me about Salah this season is that I was one who was coming into it thinking, well, you know, if he breaks 30, I'll be happy. Uh, And, you know, it's an unreasonable expectation to think any more from him. Off what I've seen in this pre season, it does look as though he might actually have and this is the thing I didn't think I'd be saying but another slight level to go up that there is more to come and I think that's partially because of the fact that he does seem to be loving being a Liverpool player. We can we can get carried away with romantic notions but he does appear to be inspired by being a Liverpool player by being Liverpool's best player rather than inhibited by it.
2: Yeah, I agree with everything you said there 100%. I think the you know, the idea that there's more to come from him, I think even if he just maintains that level that he showed from November onwards, then he'll have he'll he'll have a better season. I think I've mentioned it on a few ch- times, on a few shows recently, but you know he doesn't. It's only really from I think Everton and home onwards that we're thinking bloody hell, this guy's just really, really top level player. Up to then, I think you know he was he was showing talent, but but you know it's it's from then that he really kicks on and start and then starts doing doing silly numbers if you like. And yeah, I think it's a
4: bizarre thing there. that for the first two months of the season we thought he was quite wasteful. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly, and, and and that was there and that was sort of a common thought throughout the league really. And then and then you know he just he just goes on this amazing one. So even if he just does that, I but I agree with you, Neil. I think there is another level to come, I think, speaking, it was funny speaking to Glenn Price, he's, he's been everywhere this this summer, uh, I think he's done every game, more or less, um, but he's been watching them train, obviously out in, in, in the US, but also a little bit in Evian as well, and just said his finishing is just absolutely next level, you know, there's a lot of good finishes at Liverpool Football Club, as you would imagine, but you said Salah's, it's everyone, it's every type of finish, it's everything just going in at the moment, and... He just looks so confident in himself and he looks very at peace with how brilliant he is at football and I know that sounds stupid but it's not it's not phasing. It doesn't always happen, does it? Yeah, it doesn't always happen and and I think, you know, he doesn't he doesn't look like there's there's any kind of oh the, all the pressure's on me to do it. He's like, Oh yeah, don't worry, I've got it. Joe you know, and and I think that's that's a certain type of personality and I don't know whether how much of it's to do with his faith or what, but he just seems to be taking the whole "I'm now a world superstar" thing remarkably in his stride. <laughs> whereas I would have I lost me head, Neil, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and and that's brilliant and he is enjoying it. I mean, look, he didn't have to do that long with the crowd at Dublin. You know, this is this idea that they wanted everyone to they, they brought their scarves on and they wanted all the players to dish them out and that and that sound and so. They all did that. And then about half of them signed stuff and about half of them went in to kind of get a shower. Salah was the one who wanted to sign stuff. But, I mean, I went and tried to do the mix zone and and you stayed. And I know you said he was there, like... It was close to half an hour, wasn't it? Yeah, just, it was half an hour. just getting a picture with, with kind of everyone who wanted one. And those who were going on Tuesday are, are in for the cheats, I think, because I think they're going to try and do something similar either before or, or afterwards with a lot of the players and things like that and, and trying to get people involved. But he's doing more than he needs to. And, you know, we've been watching him quite closely because we've you know we've been closer to to the action on these tours because we get kind of better access and things like that and he's got time for anyone he's got time you know he's not too bothered about doing interviews or anything like that but in terms of supporters and in terms of people who who idolize him and want to see him like he always seems to have time for and i think he's just he's just in a really good place and i think egypt was a bit audible for him for as you say for, for a lot of reasons and you know, especially around around the camp and stuff, and he must have. You know, he, I don't know, he felt completely fit either. But but now he just looks like, yeah, everything's good, everything's positive. Loves the team, loves playing for Liverpool, loves his, the idea of his job, and yeah, it's it's really 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 exciting.
1: Um, Shakiri at half time, and it's interesting. Shakiri comes on uh, at the interval and again played played really well smartly and could play from him uh, across the pitch wanted to be involved i think all the time there's a couple of times where you get the impression the manager wanted to do something a little bit different when he's got it but broadly you could see he was trying to he was trying to fit what was around him uh, throughout the game
3: i think the conversation around security at the minutes, really interesting i agree with you he looked good when he came on i'd probably i'd probably give him out of the match to be honest i thought he was that impressive when he came on i think there's a big difference now, and it's obvious to say, really, you know, playing for Stoke, playing for Liverpool, night and day. And all of a sudden, there's options. He's got options left, he's got options right, options in front of him. Um, and he won't have had that at Stoke. There have been that pressure, as the best player there, to try and beat two or three lads and put one in the top bin. Lads, you don't need to do it anymore. There's three lads, four lads, who've got as much ability, if not more, than you. So you can feed them as well. And that takes the pressure off. And I also think there's something around... He probably knows his last chance saloon for a big club. He's had those spells in Inter Milan, Bayern Munich. Yes, he's won some trophies, um, but he'll come away from those clubs thinking I didn't do myself justice. And all of a sudden, he's got a he's got a chance to to play for one of the big biggest clubs in Europe, um, competing in the Champions League again. So that's a huge chance for him. And I think he'll know what the manager expects. And he's coming into he's coming into a dressing room now where everyone's pulling in the right direction in the same direction. He won about that stoke. You can see there's they're all over the place. Uh, you've got Arthur lads pulling in one way and Arthur lads pulling the other way. And I think you're coming into a Liverpool mm-hmm. dressing room now where they know the demands, they know what the manager needs, they know what he expects. That's hugely important. You know, you think back to you know characters in the in the early 80s, your Sunez, your Dag your Hansons, you know, they ran the dressing room and those characters are probably gone now, but there's still a group of players there who They won't be afraid to pull you to one side if you're not putting it in. If you're not putting a shift in or you're looking like you're a little bit lazy or not carrying out the manager's instructions, then you'll get pulled. And I think he's walking into a harmonious dressing room. Everyone is really, really chomping at the bit. And they know they're on the verge of something special. And I think Shaqiri just kind of falls in line with that. And I I remember Guardiola giving an interview last season. It might have been to Gary Neville, and he was talking about you know, what's changed for, for your Man City team compared to the season before when you when you first came in? And he said, well, there's loads of players here with ability, but now they're starting to back it up with application as well. And the minute you get your best players, your Kevin De Bruyne, your David Silva, the minute you get them working harder than anyone else, then everyone else just falls in line. And you can see that with Liverpool, really. You know, all the best players work really hard. Firmino, Mane, Salah, they put a shift in. So Shaqiri can't come into this football club and expect to maybe turn it on every now and again. He'll have to fall in line. And the signs so far, it's only pre-season, the signs so far are really, really good. He seems to be fitting in off the pitch as well as on the pitch. You, know, you see him having quite a lot of banter with the likes of Sturridge and, and Naby as well. So it all bodes really, really well. And I think you know, it just comes back to that, what the manager's created. He's created something where off the pitch, people understand their job. And on the pitch, people understand their job as well. And actually, if you're not doing what you should be doing, there's enough characters there to pull you in line and say, actually, lad, this is how we do
2: it now. I think it's a funny one with Katie? because when we did, we did quite a few specials on the subscription tour player um, when he signed and speaking to people who were closest to him who knew him best and they all talked about what a good personality he was in the dressing room which maybe surprised me a little bit because you, you, you just imagine it differently, don't you? But everyone always says how popular he was in the dressing room wherever he's been. So I think he has got that so that hasn't kind of surprised me based on what they've said that he's that he's getting on with people so well. I think the challenge for Shaqiri might come okay, he's saying now, he's saying all the right things now but... You know, if he if he's not involved in the first three games at all, say for whatever reason, then you know, does 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 the muttering start? Then does the mo? You know, how does he how does he react to that? Does he react by working even harder on the training ground? Does he react by running even harder, or does he does he start getting a bit of a face on? That I think that's the challenge. But but I think there's a good chance that he will be involved from the off because I think obviously the manager looked to rotate early last season and, and may do again this season. But he also, averaged
1: five changes a game, didn't he, in the first yeah, half of the season?
2: Yeah. But also there's the. Um, there's the idea that Shakiri can maybe play a little bit deeper than we thought as well, and I think there's there's times, especially if we need a win, especially home, where you might see all four of them on the pitch, and I wasn't expecting to say that a couple of weeks ago, but but he has played a little bit deeper and at times in pre-season and he's looked strong. He's the way he's the way he can his low sense of gravity really helps him. There was a time in, in that game with Dublin where he's in a bit of bother and then next thing he just shifts his body a bit. He's, he's, yeah. he's beat two men and he's away and that's quite deep in midfield and you thought, oh, right, you can see how this could be an asset for Liverpool. You know, We're in a little bit of trouble. He takes some knocking off the ball and so I think I think there's maybe more opportunities for him than maybe I thought in, in more different positions.
4: I think personality-wise, I think the is very open about the fact that he looks for what character he's bringing in more as, as much as anything. So I think we're fairly safe that if Shakiri has come in and he's not involved in the first three games, and obviously we expect him to be, mm. I don't think he's going to be a disruptive influence because the manager's going to know enough about him not to bring in anybody who could have the potential to be disruptive. I think he's he's one of these characters who's being given a role in the media as the player he, he, we perceive him to be, where the reality would appear to be completely different. Me personally, as a footballer, I've always liked him, I've always thought he had something, he's the weirdest shaped athlete I've ever seen, <laughs> because he is not what you expect from a footballer, he is, he, he's built like a bulldog, he's, he's all chest, he's all back. But as you said, the low sense of gravity, is that little bit where he's on the left and he suddenly moves between two men. You've no idea why, how he's done yeah. it. But he's also playing ridiculously perceptive, perceptive through balls. There's a through ball down the channel um, on the right-hand side of the pitch where the obvious ball is into the centre, but he plays it to the right of the penalty area. And I think it's um, I think it's Trent's run, if I remember rightly. Uh, it, was, it was suddenly on the end of it. Oh, of course, yeah. It just cuts the entire yeah. defence apart. So he's got that in his locker. And th- this idea that he's playing... He's playing deeper than we expected. We did expect him to be a substitute for one of the front three in easier games when we could give him a rest. He now looks like a lad who could be absolutely instrumental to the midfield at times because the the, the possession he gets, there. he's got Lallana esque level of keeping hold of the ball. He's more physical than Lallana, and he's playing the same kind of. Intelligent ball forward. So I, I, I think this could be he could be absolutely crucial. I think we've finally given him the chance to play at the level that he's really wants to play at. at. The time he's ready to play at that level with players who, who are clearly of an ability higher than anybody he's played with for certainly the last few years, but possibly higher than the players that he was playing with back in the bigger clubs. So and also going into the dressing room, I think, I think there's one thing said about the dressing room here where we're talking about Sue Ness and um, Dalgleish being the leaders of the dressing room. I think our dressing room is very much defined by Milner and Henderson now because the, the words you're getting out where they're talking about the younger players, there's, there's a great deal of leadership, obviously obviously leadership coming down from Jürgen, but coming through basically what's the two captains of the squad because you've got two very experienced players there who are keeping the group together and clearly enjoying keeping the group together. That's obviously a completely unfounded take based on nothing but gut instinct, but it looks to me like, they're the key to how this is working at the moment. Um,
1: the keeper, Ian, was interesting, Ian Ryan. It was it was interesting he got the duration first and foremost, like, this is it now, this, this fella's just playing yeah. a goal for us, so we need to get him sharp for next week. Got away with a couple, I think it's fair to say, but he's likely to be a little bit rusty. But also, he may be a lucky general. Um, you could see his quality, you can see how commanding he was, and you could see that he's brilliant with his feet.
3: He was superb with his feet. I mean, I think we all knew his distribution was good, but then when you, when you see him playing for Liverpool and he's doing it, wow it just hits home what we've been missing really and I think a few people have said you know you could have given 10 minutes in the midfield and he wouldn't have looked out of place he was that good with the ball and all of a sudden you've got another option where you can pass back to him and he's so comfortable with it left or right he's so comfortable and the ability to to be able to make a switch of 50 60 yards and you you see it obviously for the for the first goal um it's superb you're right to reference he got away with a couple I think you know, there's a lot of pressure coming into this game for him. He knows what's gone on before him, and that that will probably play into some of this. Um, he knows what's, what's what's taking place, and you know it's his first game back. He's had a, he's obviously had a bit of time off after the World Cup, but the, the signs were good. Uh, the signs were good, and obviously he comes across as a really confident lad as well. And I think to play for this team, to play in front of these fans, you need to have a bit about you. You can't be a shrinking violet. And you know what? At some point, he probably will make a mistake, but he looks like the kind of character who will, you know. Similar to Van Dijk, he'll sugar off. He'll sugar off, and you know, you know, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. The price tells you. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and that's important as well. So it was a it was a decent debut. Yeah, you know, on a different day, one or two things could have gone against him, but as you said, Neil, you know, maybe there's a bit of luck in there. And he you know, probably didn't cover himself in glory with the one real save he had to make, but you have got to caveat this, with it's his first game. And he made it. And he made it, and he did what he had to do with it, and he got it round the post, and it didn't go in the back of the net. You know, Jack Butler had something similar to save yesterday against Leeds. It ends up in the back of the net. Um, so, so far, so good, but I think... You can already see, you know, from some of the things that, that Van Dyke was kind of doing as well, the looks to already be some decent communication in there. And it's got to give assurance to that back four as well. If you've got a lad that big, that dominating behind you, that's got to help. And I think there's, there's real positive signs.
2: Yeah, I agree with Ian. More to come, I think, from him, isn't there? Um, you know, he's, he's got that first one out the way. Now he's got a clean sheet. He's got a 5 0 win. He's played in front of, you know, a crowd. Um, you know, it's similar to what he's going to expect first game of the season against West Ham uh, 51,000 you know 99% Liverpool and you know he enjoyed it he gets his nice moment with the kid with the gloves and stuff like that which is a a nice picture that's kind of gone all, all around the world and so yeah, seems to be settling in well. He's, he's spoken well whenever he's talked, them um, I think you know he's got. Look, he's got a lot in the bank, hasn't he? Because he's not the other two fellas. and, and that's 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 the, the the honest situation of of what is coming in. Everyone's going to be willing him to do well. Everyone's going to be on his side. Everyone really wants this to work because they've spent so much money, and because you know we we were all desperate to to not be talking about goalkeepers as as, as much as as we have been for the last two years, and so. Yeah, uh, shaky start in some ways, but you know he's 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 going in next. He, he gets he gets to play at Anfield on Tuesday, which I think again will be good for him. And I think you know is a, I wasn't sure about this extra game. I would have liked a week if you'd have asked me a week or so ago. But now I think it's. I think it's a good one, and I think uh, I think you know I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to it. But I think there's a, there's a few lads who will really benefit from it, and then waiting to go into West Ham uh, on Sunday. It's good for it's good for Allison Ian. The,
1: it's going to be interesting with the manager because he gives he gives Van Dijk the full ninety. He's now in a situation where he's got no Clavan, no matter, but, and he doesn't want to play Lovren. So Lovren's back training, and, and I'm sure that you know if the manager asked the big dog if he fancy playing against West Ham, he would say yes. yes. But the manager's made it clear he doesn't want to do that. So he's you know it's an interesting game for for Gomez and Phillips. And also simultaneously, we're putting them both on the pitch, hoping that neither of them picks up a little knock, which might happen at this stage against Torino. Um, He's even mentioned the manager that he might do something with the formation, but... You know, the, there is a little bit of pressure on that now off the back of this pre-season as to who will partner Van Dijk that first game against West Ham.
4: Yeah, I think this um, this having the Tuesday game, I think this is momentum now, isn't it? I think if we think of it as a Champions League game and a league game on the Sunday, yeah, th- we wouldn't expect any bigger gap than that. It is a Tuesday-Sunday gap, so it's not going to be detrimental. I think it would make sense to have Phillips play against Torino. And save Gomez for the Saturday because two weeks down the line we got Lover and ready there, there may be you know the, the Tarkovsky rumors came up again last night there may be another signing before Thursday we don't know we may have another centre-back on the books but it would make sense for the first the first full game to be Van Dijk and Gomez that that makes sense the partnership that's what we're we're grooming Gomez to be the centre-back we've been told he's gonna to be the centre-back going forward this is gonna be his role to have him on the pitch for the first game of the season makes absolute sense. Lovren's obviously ahead of him in the pecking order but in order to have him there I think protecting him on Tuesday would make perfect sense. John, do you think Phillips has got a fighting chance?
2: <laughs> I mean more so than I did a month ago. I think it's a, it's... I think if he was a fullback, he'd be he'd be in a much sort of better position. and I think half always just brings out the nerves in anyone that you, you think you know. You're talking about Gomez not being experienced enough on you. He's he's played a lot more first team football than Phillips has. I think Phillips has really impressed everyone this season, not just in terms of how he's defended, but on the ball, how he's conducted himself. He did a. Um, you know, spent a long time speaking to Glenn Price again in, in the in the uh, in the mix zone and has and, and spoke really well and and s seem confidence. It's it's you know, it's it's an amazing turnaround of his story really from release from Bolton to now us saying, Has he got a fighting chance? I think look, if I was Nat Phillips, i me I'd have my eye on that first League Cup game and I'd be hoping for you know, a, a, a League One side or something like that where the manager's going to make 11 changes and I think that's his best opportunity at the moment but it's it's certainly an option that I don't think any of us were talking about a month or two ago
1: My, my other one on this one Ian is whether or not he's mentioned a formation change but whether or not he might have a little look at Klein at centre-back against against Torino I, I, I'm not sure about that it's, it's, it's but he's done strange things at centre-back in the past what what, what are your views?
3: I, I don't really see the Klein option if I'm honest I am a little bit I'm a little bit surprised that we've maybe not looked to do business at centre off. I've got whilst I think we're going into the season and it's it's in the main it's really, really positive and I think we're all in agreement on that. I've got a little bit of a concern at centre off. I think Lovren's improved a lot if you look back to that Spurs game where he has a nightmare he's come on so much since then and, he, and I think broadly speaking we're all happy with Lovren now um, certainly it's the second choice centre half and there's a big difference between being in charge of the back four but, but coming in as a second choice centre half and he complements Van Dijk well if Van Dijk wasn't there maybe he'd have you know, one or two concerns about a Lovren matter partnership for instance but my main issue is, is that there's a, a reliability issue with these centre backs you know Lovren misses games massive misses so many games, and on the quiet as well, are unavailable enough. So all of a sudden, you are looking at Joe Gomez, and Gibbo's point there about Gomez. You no, know, there is an experience. It's really hard to play centre half because you even see with the with the greatest centre so over the last 10, 15 years. Rio Ferdinand as a young player, made loads of mistakes at centre back. He made loads of mistakes, and it's a it's a concentration thing. Half the time, you just switch off for a second, you get punished, and that's that's a concern for me. So the Tarkovsky rumours. Yeah, don't know whether he's a natural fit for the Klopp team, I have to say. Burnley played a totally different way. Is he an upgrade on Matip? Yes, would be the answer for me. But I am a little bit concerned. Around all this positivity, and I get the conversations around another final third player, I could easily get on board with that, I've said it before. But the centre-back situation does concern me a little bit. And if you know if Van Dijk was to pick up a knock, for instance, that that would worry me massively. You know, There's so much good work going on in that midfield, that final third of a pitch... I wouldn't want to take any chances so if it was up to me I'd maybe be looking to to minimise that risk and do something in the last three or four days but it's looking unlikely
1: We're going to come on to talk about the net in the last three or four days in a second or two we're also going to have a chat about the manager's conversation with James Pearce which we've got half of so far we're also just going to be stupidly excited but as part of the Goodwill around the club Liverpool ran an event for the residents of Anfield uh, on Saturday it was a a big thank you as part of the Red Neighbours programme that the club put put together and 5,000 people turned up one of them was David Fairclough Josh Sexton talked to him and here is that.
0: Delighted to be joined now by David Fairclough. David, uh, here at the Residence Day at Anfield today, as a local like yourself, how important do you think it is to see, to see the club giving back to the community like this?
5: Well, it is important because everybody's living on the doorstep and it's become such a big uh, institution now. Um, I grew up only a few hundred yards away and uh, from the, the changes in that time have been massive and the, the club is now the most imposing um, building in the area. So it takes up, obviously, a lot of, um, you know, people have to suffer a little bit of inconvenience from time to time. So it's right that everybody tries to live with each other and that they understand the way the club's moving. And the club appreciate and respect that there are residents um, living in, in the area. So it's a, it's a team, it's a team uh, effort. And uh, I think it's great if it if it
0: can if it helps with the life to, to move along smoothly. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned the inconvenience. Obviously, when we think back to the great Champions League nights last year, one of the things you, you perhaps don't think of straight away is that the community had, had thousands of people descending on it, on, sort of every week night or on a Tuesday and Wednesday night. And that's that's that is important that the club show that and then show their support for that as well, isn't it?
5: Yeah, Liverpool is such a a, a huge appeal now. It has a huge draw. People come from all over the world, and uh, and so the the, the the crowds and the and the, the people in fact, you are always in awe now of actually the the numbers that are at Anfield. Maybe for for every almost every day, to be honest with you, even when there's no games on and, and things like that, there are still thousands of people milling around the area. It's good for the area; it brings economy and um, uh, and interest. And um, certainly, what the club have done with it with the the building of the new main stand and all the, uh, the areas surrounding the ground now. It's made the area a whole lot better. It makes it so much more appealing. stadium is outstanding, I, I think, in its own right. But uh, generally, I think what's gone on in recent years, I think has only been great for, for the Anfield and Everton
0: districts. Yeah, and mentioned to Phil and Alan before about how buoyant the mood feels at the club at the moment, and and they, these sorts of schemes are a big part of that as well. And it's showing that you can give back to the community and value the supporters. That that's just as important as how the players are playing on the pitch and how much they are enjoying it.
5: Yeah, Liverpool is very much uh, a team on the up, a club on the club on the up, and um, we're we're an appealing uh, destination once again. We can now appeal to to the best players in the world. Ah, you know the signing of Van Dijk and uh, and Allison as well in the in the. In, the, in this last year um, there was a time when Liverpool was the most appealing club in the, in the world and uh, we drew the biggest stars maybe we, we kind of uh, fell behind a little bit but I think we're back up there again it's really
0: exciting times for, uh, for, for the club going forward and how much do you think that's down to Jurgen Klopp as a manager, the way that he sort of seems to, seems to value all this, seems to value his supporters? You've seen the scenes throughout all the Champions League run last year of, of him really giving back to the supporters and then also the club doing this as well. well
5: I think, I think um, it's, it's important for, for every Liverpool manager to make a connection with the fans and uh, certainly Jürgen has done that better than most in, in recent years. Um, I think he understands Liverpool's enthusiasm and passion. Uh, he's spoken about it many times, how he, uh, you know, he always felt that Liverpool might be the club that, that would suit him most. He's ca- he came in and, uh, and he clearly understands our, our humour, our passion, our enthusiasm. Uh, the fans see that from
0: him. And I think, uh, you know, it, it all looks very good for the, for the future. And you mentioned the signings before. Obviously, you're known as the, as the super sub for your time in love Do you think uh, Jordan Shaqiri can be the heir to that throne with, with his early performances? Well, <laughs> that remains to be seen.
5: Certainly, uh, he's got an awful lot of talent. I think perhaps in, in recent years, he might have fulfilled the, the talent uh, and expectation of... Uh, uh, one of the clubs that he, you know, one or two of the clubs that he's played at, but there's no doubting that he's got outstanding ability. He's going to be a valuable member of the squad, as uh, Jurgen said. It was a bit of a no-brainer to, to bring him here. He was, you know, very uh, small price uh, when you when you see the, the money that's spent these days to, in um, for footballers. So um, yeah, we we need to have a strong squad because we're going to be challenging on all fronts. Um, whether Shakiri scores as many goals as perhaps uh, I was able to do remains to be seen. But if he does, it'll only be a good thing. Yeah, let's hope so. David, thank you very much for your time.
1: You, well. David Fairclough and Josh Sexton there talking through uh, the Red Neighbours campaign. Uh, Liverpool working away at being better in the community and it seems to be working for them at the minute. One of the things that came through the manager's conversation with James Pearce, actually across the board, was wanting to feel part of the part of the furniture and wanting Liverpool to be part of something bigger than themselves but from a sporting point of view Ian Ryan what the one thing that struck me is he banged one drum three times through the, through the conversation I thought there's one line we only need to do what we've done already on our best days but much more often another line we didn't lose the points against City we lost the points against all the other teams another line that's what we have to show constantly that desire to fight for the results first of all be ready to fight there is very much you get the impression this manager's decided that he knows and he's got a body of evidence to prove it that he's got a football team that's got the quality to produce any results he seems to be very much into talking about having the consistency to get as many results as Liverpool may well need
3: I think that's right and I think it'd be nice to get to a stage where you know similar to what you saw with Man City last season where Teams are just turning up and they're already beaten and they know they're gonna get beat and they'll take it too well and just get out of there. We're not we're not at that stage yet. Um but you can quickly get to that stage. If you start putting some of these smaller teams away early doors, and it is threes and it's fours and it's fives, then sides just think, well, there's no chance here. And we'll take our defeat and we'll we'll save our efforts for another day. Um but it comes back to what I was saying earlier on, I suppose, and there is that challenge around what that bottom fourteen do when they come. When they come to Anfield, and he could have a conversation about United as well. You know what they do when they come to to Anfield because they're not going to be expressive and expansive. But I think I think the Shakiri addition helps with that. You know, John touched on before about positions on the pitch, and I think he's got options within that midfield three now. if he is looking at, a, a Henderson Kaita or a Fabino Kaita two and then someone like a Shaqiri as you attack him mid or even Mane I think that's the beauty of the squad he's put together. There's loads of flexibility in there. Then it helps because you've got players there who are more than happy to drive at the heart of teams and more than happy to beat a man. And when you beat a man you create space and you start to you start to pull other players out of position and that's really, really important. And I think you know one of the knock ons of not having Catinio and I think there's lots of times where you don't miss Coutinho last season but there are games where you do miss him and it's that ability to, to create space and drag other players out which creates gaps and then you can slot balls in between centre-half and, and full-back and I think that's what he's, he's tried to do with the with the addition of security so I'm really interested to see where he plays but I suspect like Gibbo that there's every chance certainly against some of the smaller teams at Anfield you see him in a, in a, in a very much a central position
1: Ian's focusing on Anfield there uh, Ian Salmon and I think he's right to do so because we drew seven games I think it was six or seven games. Uh although we, we finished the season unbeaten, we did have a, a number of home draws. But it is worth pointing out that the side we we're chasing last season at home, the record was, was, was played 19, won 16 drawn two, lost one. Away the record was played 19, won 16 drawn two, lost one. That there may well be, which is
2: by the way it's ridiculous. Uh, but, back, back that in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there is an argument here that Liverpool, you know, we again a, a lot of the sides we play in the bottom fourteen, I'd say ten of them, when we go to their ground, they treat us like the Home side, and they very much do do the same thing. They get their men behind the ball and look to pickles off, and look to at most pickles off. We are going to have to be able to match something approaching that pace, home and away, and that's what the manager's talking about when
4: he's talking to James Pierce.
1: That's what we've got to
4: show all the way through. Yeah, completely. It's, it's got a bit. That, that's where we lost any chance of challenging for the league last season it was on the consistency, it was on the stupid draws. I think what you're looking at with the flexibility of the team now is the against these teams who decide to play a low block. If we've got to the point where they know there's no point trying to attack us and they're willing to settle for the point, we're going to be playing a two one everybody else. And that and that's it, it's going to be bombarding. There's full backs will be coming in behind. We've seen what our full backs can do with crosses. We've seen what they can do, how far they can get up the pitch. We're going to look at a maximum attacking style. I think what we could be look we could be potentially looking at next season is how City looked in the first half against us at their place in the Champions League, which is the most attacking formation I've ever seen from anyone, because it was basically, this is all of us. We're just gonna hit you like a wall. We've got the players to do that. We've got the players now who, if we're looking at unlocking that little side pass from Shakiri, the little bit he's he's playing the unexpected ball, the movements of Cater that we've all seen pre-season already, you know, just in the first few games, if we're literally playing with two central defenders, a holder, and everybody else running at these lads, they're gonna fall apart. And we've also got the recovery, we've got the pressing and the recovery, as you said about Napoli, the amount of play Napoli had to do just to get to the halfway line. We can do that against anybody away, we can do that against your Wolves, your, your Fulhams, whoever, whoever we're going against away from home. We
1: can do that there. I think Ian's, uh, Ian's uh, you know, Wolves are the best team in the country. And we've all got to remember that. Um, John City were ominous against Chelsea, though. You know, they've just come back there and, and missing a number still of footballers. A number of footballers still haven't even trained with them. Um, and there's something else as well that the manager says, which grabbed my attention, was an issue around sharpness. He, he said of the World Cup players in general, because it's something that all managers are aware of. He said they come back, yes, they're looking sharp now, nice work, but should they look sharp in that moment or in three or four weeks? And you'd also think that there could be a theory this season that the sides who managed their who best manage their very good World Cup players through the whole season could well garner an advantage. It's interesting, isn't it, that City appear to be approaching it similarly to us, as do Tottenham, that you get the impression there's a number of a number of footballers across the country who are going to be on extended pre-seasons. That might surprise us early on, but we're all trying to maybe get these, these footballers as fresh as possible come November, come December.
2: I don't know, I think... I mean, City throw Kyle Walker straight in. I think he'd only train one day, and then he's and then he's and then he's straight in in that Charity Shield game or whatever they're calling it now. Sound like you're there. Um, I think the, the I think maybe managers might look at it and, and it might be kind of a horse of courses thing, not just in terms of the player or what's ready for the player, but but who else have we got there? So with Kyle Walker, maybe he's thinking you know I could really do with him now, but with other with other lads have sort of got a little bit more time and a little bit more flexibility. You know, people. Everyone's got squads to manage, and everyone's got problems. And you can think that your club's unique in that, can't you? And yeah. you can think your club's, you know, are, are, are we, what are we going to do about our centre half thing? And, and you know, and and I understand Ian's point completely on it. But but other clubs everywhere, including Man City, including you know all our likely rivals for at the top. You know they're all having these headaches at the moment, and they're all thinking about you know have we got enough? Have we got enough players? You know when, when's the best time to bring him back? You know as you say, someone could look sharp when they come back, but a lot of that's adrenaline, a lot of that's you know they're coming back to seeing the mates. Oh great, see yeah, just throw me in. I want to play. You know what I mean? Because it's because it's a game, and everyone just likes playing games. Don't they? But you know it's 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 our areas how you manage that, and I think you know you often say Neil that you know uh, you know when you with this early. Chance, not early transfer window early international break you know are people going to look at these almost look at these four games in isolation and then think we'll get to there we'll restock and go again and I think there's probably quite a bit of that going on um, across, the, across the league as well um, Ian go on
3: I was just going to say and I think what John said there's really fair and I think you mentioned something the other day Gibbo about you ask any fan and they'll always say do one more yeah. or I need one more because you know, that's what part of being a fan's about isn't it you always want to be the best you can be and you always think you can improve on on what you've got but what, what struck me yesterday or what struck me looking at, at Liverpool's game being Napoli and City's v Chelsea is that Liverpool and City just look so much more like they're ready for the season to start. I thought Chelsea were terrible yesterday at times. There was such a lack of intensity to, to want to close players down. And you don't see that with Liverpool. They look... They look ready to go, you know, now. They could they could play now and be ready to go. And I think, you know, there's sometimes teams look to ease their way into a into a new season. I don't see that with Liverpool at all. I think Jürgen Klopp wants them off the blocks absolutely full throttle from day one. And he's looking at these four games and thinking there's twelve points there for us. There's absolutely twelve points there for us, and he'd be disappointed if we don't get twelve from those first four.
1: Um The transfers then, Ian Salmon, it doesn't. It's looking less and less like like something's going to happen for Liverpool. They may well get themselves into a situation where they need a sub-keeper, which I always love. I just love the idea of the sub-keeper meeting. Uh, All right, boys, where are we for the sub-keeper? What's on the agenda here? Any other business? Um, It does look like that's the thing that is most likely. It is looking like the thing that's most likely to happen for Liverpool are players leaving. However, the manager manager in the past has been quite emphatically... Been clear when he thinks Liverpool are finished, and he hasn't been quite as emphatic this time. He's, you do wonder whether or not Liverpool are contemplating an opportunity might come up between now and, and Thursday at five.
4: He was momentarily emph- emphatic a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? Where it's, you know, I, th- I think we're definitely done. I think we're done. We're done. We're definitely done. Unless anything else happens, we're definitely done. If anything happens, we won't be done. But until then, we're done. So it, <clears throat> I'm still, I'm still naively optimistic about the Fakir deal because our lad started talking again this morning. he has been quiet for the best part of a week. Um, we went into the summer looking at spending 53 million on this lad. We had him signed. We had the videos done, we had the interviews done, and we've not gone back in for anybody else's second choice. So we specifically wanted this lad. So, <coughs> pardon me. So if there's a chance that can be done in the last few days, I think we could still do it we're obviously just looking for something to be done on our terms or we have walked away completely and if we've walked away completely but we identified that area as being somewhere we want to strengthen and we we're already signing shakiri we haven't strengthened it we haven't we haven't done the business that we would definitely know two ways doing so that makes me think that there's still a possibility of something there i'm intrigued by the tarkovsky links from last night because it's kind of like you know they brought in the new lad who could well be the replacement We've been linked with him a couple of times. I also like this idea of Pulisic signed on an um, Abikaita deal. I think that would be a magnificent thing to do for next season. Um, but yeah, the goalies, it's gone very quiet on our goalies leaving at the moment because there doesn't seem to be a great deal of traffic there because Mignolet was definitely going and then Carrius was definitely going and neither appeared to be going anywhere at the moment. So I think we could still end up with just one of those being our sub-keeper, which wouldn't be ideal for either. Because obviously Mignolet wants football somewhere and Kerry's could do with yeah. rebuilding his psyche somewhere. So a sub goalie would be decent. But I think even though you know we're four days away and it does look like nothing at all is happening, it could yeah you know, it could all go absolutely insane in the next couple of hours for all I know.
1: It's gonna go insane for someone, John. I mean that's the the, the nature of this. We are we were talking talking before about the thing we're doing on Thursday. I'll come back around to it in a minute. But you know, it's it's going to be hectic I think across the board for a number of clubs our neighbors across the park obviously are, are still they're still looking for a central defender and appear to be getting thwarted at every turn which is a massive shame there's you know there's a lot of sides who', who are still all saying that they need to
2: do bits whereas Liverpool are able to play it a bit cooler yeah they are yeah we're, we're talking about you know what would you like to see we're talking about the you know the, the cherry on the top of the cake aren't we really you know understand what the boys are saying about the center half and, but that's as much about the Reliability of what we've got rather than, oh, well, we're, really, we're short rather than you know, we're not, we're not a body short, are we? We're no. just talking about the idea of what well, would we, would we like an upgrade or would we like someone whose, whose body can rely on a little bit more than, than kind of what we've got, similar to you know, the fakir. Um, understand Ian's points about you know, the, the fact that you know, we obviously wanted that person and we haven't gone in for anyone else, but. I think you know. Jürgen does. He's saying he's ple- he's happy with what he's got. He's saying he's content. You know, Curtis Jones has been someone who's emerged last few weeks as as, as an option that that maybe he's, he's slightly ahead of schedule to to what to what we thought, and maybe he's thinking about you know his path into the first team. I don't know. So you know, all of us all of us are, as I say, we're talking about the cherry on the top of the cake. Is that, is that one more weird as others? I think. Uh, you know, you speak to other fans and they're worried, they worried, They say we'd expect to do much, much more than, than kind of what we've done. And, you know, they're talking about real gaps in squads or real, or real issues around, you know, the teams that, that we just don't have, you know, like the boys have said, when you, you watch us play and the harmony of the team, the the strength all over, the the way that they understand each other, the way they work together and, <sighs> and the fact that they all seem to exactly understand what the manager wants. and. Like Ian said, you know, you're you're looking at Chelsea in that Community Shield game, and you know it's not just individual performances that, that that would concern you if you're a Chelsea fan. It's the fact that the manager looks a long way of installing himself. On the side, and that's just that's just one team, you know.
1: And then, and the season kicks off now. Exactly, There's only so much
2: time you can wait. Yeah, them. exactly. And and so we look. We're in a great position, and we should all be really optimistic. And yeah, we always want more because fans always want more. But yeah, we, you know, we're, we're in a much better, healthier position, I would say, than most.
1: Torino, thirsty and salmon, but it's legitimately excited to be looking forward to the whole thing. It's probably the most eagerly anticipated league season's been for for, for Liverpool supporters for, for for many a year. And I think that you know, pride can always come before a fall. You can always have expectations that aren't quite there. But, you know, again, in the James Pearce uh, piece, which is very much worth reading with Jurgen Klopp, Klopp's making all those noises as well. You know, they've got their own internal expectations. They're not saying, they're not guaranteeing uh, silverware the guarantee, and though he appears to be trying to guarantee insofar far as he can, because it is a sport and contest, but he is appear to be trying to guarantee. Liverpool are going to be very, very strong and challenging every from every match.
4: Oh, completely! I'm buzzing for this. I'm a 54 year old man, and I'm more excited than I have any right to be. <laughs> this is. You didn't know you had this
2: excitement left in you. I, I, I honestly didn't.
4: I'm, I'm a cynical sod anyway, so I, I thought that, I, I thought I was incapable of being excited. But th- this team is doing something special. There's, there's a real buzz to this at the moment. It's As I was saying before, I don't think I've ever seen this approach and this togetherness from a team towards its position within its community, its position within its fan base. I don't think I've ever seen it, genuinely, this kind of contact. Even in the 80s, you know, there was still a removed subject. There was Liverpool and they was still removed. As yeah. much as you might believe from boys from the black stuff that we were seeing um, seeing Graham Sooness in clubs every other night, it didn't actually happen. Um unless you went to Not the even Champagne Charlie. No. <laughs> if you went to Conte I think you could see Rushy quite a bit. But um allegedly I never went to Conte, I couldn't get in there. Um but this this is a team that's actually got a relationship to what's going on around it. And it's something you you can feel. There's this momentum that you can't quite put your finger on, but you can feel it and it feels special at the moment. that This Liverpool team feels special. It feels like we're on the edge of really achieving something. I don't, I don't recall the last time I felt that. 13-14 came out of nowhere. That run of 13-14 was something we didn't see coming. You couldn't sit at the beginning of the season and say, do you know what, I think we, I, we, I think we can put something together this season. This season you can sit here and go, do you know what, we can do something this season. We nearly did something last season. Yeah, we, we nearly won the Champions League. We went to the Champions League final with a team that had 12 fit players. This season we've added to those twelve-foot players. Those 12 fit players know their roles. The lads have come in and slotted in and know their roles. We we could be on the edge of something very, very special at the moment. There's
1: the 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 line that's underneath all of this is, as I said before, Manchester City. A uh, home, played play 19 116, drawn 2, away played 19, 116, drawn 2 Ian, the manager was going out of his way to say we can't control what Manchester City do and that's, that is the point but we can enjoy what we do and I think that's going to be the thing that we've got to throw ourselves into that, you know, Manchester City could get, you know, they could get 114 points, they won't the most they'll get 108 because we'll beat them home and away. But we, the, we you, you can't control what Manchester City do. We've got to very much focus on us but focus on enjoying being Liverpool supporters.
3: I agree, and I think the City points. I mean, they, they're going to be good again. There's no doubt they're going to be the the, the, the ones to beat. But it, now, recent history tells it, it's hard to to retain this Premier League, and it's going to be really hard to get 100 points again. I think the enjoyment points really interesting. I think as fans, we're going into the season and we just we just can't wait for it. And it's been a long time coming. You think about, you know, past seasons and in reference to the, the kind of Rodgers one. You know, we went into that thinking that we were we're never going to get near the title, and obviously we, we came so close. But I think there's also the point around how excited the players are. They're absolutely chomping at the bit, and you see, you know, you, you see the response of some of the players where they want to come back to to training early, and some of that. Will be because they're worried about the place and stuff like that, and they know the squad's really competitive and they want to make sure they've got a chance to start in that first match. But also, on the back of things like Daniel Sturridge just said as well on the tour, it's such a great vibe around the place at the minute, and you, you don't always get that. And I think that's important as well because the managers, he's created something where not only have the fans bought into it, But every single one of the squads bought into it as well. And I think they know as footballers that they've got an unbelievable chance this season to go and do something special. And, you know, if this group of players can go and win a league title for the first time since 1990, well, they're going to go down as absolute superstars. They're going to go down as superstars. And this club will respond like no other club in the league. These fans will respond like no other set of fans. If these players... Can, can get a good start and build on that and get momentum and drive forward and maybe put a little bit of fright into Man City as well because I think those are the two clubs where you'd expect them to come absolutely flying out the blocks. And sometimes it depends on how the fixtures fall as well. And I don't think Liverpool is, 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 is too bad. You know, there's, there's kinder out there, but, it, but it's not too bad. Jürgen will have taken what we've got. I think the first one against West Ham, I think Gibber made a point the other day on, on, on City talk, you know, it's probably a little bit of a banana skin now, you know, they've done a lot of business West Ham and it could either go, it could go either way, you know, you could see, you know, you me to the meter starting really, really well and they all click or they could just fall to bits because they've got too many players, but overall, this is probably the most excited I've been for a season in, in, in such a long time and this is what we're in the for, Neil.
1: It is what we're in it for. It's most definitely what we're in it for. Listen, there's loads and loads of stuff knocking around the Anfield rap at the minute. Uh, There's excellent stuff on our YouTube channel. Gareth did a really good documentary with Sam about penalty kicks and the psychology around them. Going to be doing more and more video this year. Keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube channel. And do subscribe, by the way. We're going to be doing a post-match show immediately after Torino, and that's going to be our first one of them through the season. We're also going to be previewing the first game on video via the YouTube channel. And from there, you'll be able to see the cycle we're going to get into around the matches in terms of previewing them, immediate reaction and then more considered reaction later in the week that starts after Torino and we move from there we're really excited about all of that that we're going to be doing big thank you to everyone who came out to see us on our tour and it is now our tour we did five days uh, five nights and me and John are just about getting over it he's got his smoothie there uh, he's putting the, putting those essential nutrients back into his body um, and I'm just basically in constant kidney based agony uh, but thank you very much to everyone who came out who came out in um, in Charlotte in New York in Detroit in Belfast and in Dublin it was the business we had a fantastic time and it's all very much appreciated and more money was raised in Dublin for food banks as well In North 880, euros. 880 euros so that was fantastic and someone won the raffle and then donated the prize back for it to be auctioned there and then so that really is appreciated uh, and it is. it shows that the fact that everybody does feel as though they're in it together thank you very much for listening to the Anfield Rap certainly if you've listened to it live streamed do listen to our Reds Bet sponsored show on Thursday uh, five hours uh, maybe with a half an hour beforehand or something else to go right the way through the the day as it unfolds, I expect it to be absolutely chaotic uh, as we go right the way through because that's the way in which we try to go about things. <laughs> but Andy Heaton has produced this show and he's shown he can do his bit smoothly, so the pressure's now just on me and John. Uh, thank you very much to John, to Ian, to Ian, well, both Ian, Ian Salmon and Ian Ryan. It's been the Anfield Rap association with Red's Bet, and we also want to say all the best in his new job for
3: David Lynch.
5: Sports Social
3: Podcast Network.